on a Jackson. <laughs> She's been singing this permanently three days now. <laughs> I can't wait to go to Jackson. Yeah, I, I can. <laughs> This is Food Trippin'. You're listening to me, journalist Anastasia Miari, on a road trip through America's deep south. Food Trippin' is a podcast that takes me out into the world by car, boat, or train. I take a friend along the way, and en route, we discover the lesser-known regions of our planet through food. In this series, my friend Iska Lupton and I hit the deep south of the USA for shrimp and grits in North Carolina to the drive-ins of Tennessee and Mississippi. We continue onwards to a gumbo of food influences in Louisiana, and then on to Texas for some real Tex-Mex. The reason for this trip? This podcast is all about discovering places through food. Other than burgers and club sandwiches, I really have no idea what American food culture is all about. What better way to find out then than going to the deep south? In this episode, we're indulging our sweet tooth in Nashville, Tennessee. Clarksonville, Louisville. Everything's got a bill on the end of it here. Huntsville. We should, while we're here, we should call ourselves Luptonville and Miarsville. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think Miarsville is <laughs> Sorry, no. <laughs> I have to find something else for you. I don't think that's got much of a ring to it, do you? We're on to our second foodie pit stop, Nashville. Did you know that if a town or city in the US has Ville tacked onto the end of it, it was probably founded after the Revolutionary War in the late 1700s? That's because America was becoming independent of the Brits, which led to a lot of pro-French sentiment. Luxembourg <laughs> sounds cool. Yeah. Like an amusement park. Mm. We do that when we check into the hotel. Yeah. <laughs> Last name? Luptonville. Reservation under Luptonville. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll do it, I'll do it. It's a drizzly day and we're driving into Nashville realising our expectations of wearing a cropped plaid shirt and Daisy Dukes might be dashed by the weather. That's not to say we're not excited. This is Music City, renowned for its country music scene. Home of Dolly Parton, Taylor Swift, Miley Cyrus and one of my favourite southern bells, Reese Witherspoon. We're also dying to get to the Johnny Cash Museum. Hello, I'm Johnny Cash. It was Cash and his legacy that really put Nashville on the map as Music City. That was in the 1950s when he played the Grand Ole Opry, Nashville's famous weekly country music concert for the first time. First things first though, it is raining and we are British. So we've got to have a cup of tea in the hotel and you know, get settled before we do anything. I feel like I've win- won the jackpot here. Yeah. It's great. She's got a tea on. Uh, yeah, I've just made a cup of tea and I've also, we were just about to try um, a goo goo cluster. Do you want to know what that is? Yes, please. What's in that then? <laughs> it's a... Uh, it's a biscuit in quite a sort of vintage style packaging, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Nice vintage sort of typography. It says the original Goo Goo Cluster. So there must be other variations. They must be popular if this is the original. Yeah, we'll keep an eye out. Yeah, so this is peanut, like, caramel, like, marshmallow nougat, 
like covered in milk chocolate also like open it then (laughs) it starts with a creamy layer of marshmallow nougat fused to a gleaming sheet of caramel which is spread into ribbons chopped bathed in milk chocolate coated with peanuts then more chocolate and presto you have a legendary southern treat oh my goodness sometimes you do feel like it's a mic um a microphone don't you yeah maybe it's because i'm getting into johnny cash mode (laughs) (laughs) she's talking about our zoom mic here which we're obviously still trying to figure out how to use Oh my god, if you thought the peanut cake was dense. Is it dense? <laughs> Try this. No, this is dense. Go go for the goo-goo. Oh my god, Iska's eyes have just widened. That was a huge bite that you took. <laughs> Are you sure you want to share one? There are two. You can have one each. Mm. Oh my god, isn't tea the best thing on a rainy day? Painfully British. But we do love a sugary treat to pair with our tea. So the goo-goo cluster has come right on time. Yes, it is dense, and I am a bit scared my jaw might fuse with the intense caramel and nougat layers. But it's undeniably delicious, and swill down with a cup of tea. It's just what we need. Yes, and I wish there was some way that I could tell the folks who haven't tried a goo-goo just how good they are. The goo-goo is something of a cross between a biscuit, a cookie in America, and a candy bar. And it's a Nashville classic. Not just that, it's the very first chocolate bar of its kind. Ever. In the early 1900s, a peddler called Howard Campbell began selling candy out of the back of his horse-drawn cart. By 1912, he'd got carried away in his experiments, combining marshmallow nougat, caramel, chocolate and peanuts for the very first goo-goo cluster. Before this, there were chocolate bars and toffee bars, but the goo-goo cluster was the first American candy bar to combine multiple elements. So. First came the Goo Goo, and it was born right here in Nashville. I've noticed you brought a Goo Goo, one of those free snacks from the hotel. You've put it in your camera bag. What's <laughs> going on there? Why is that lurking at the bottom? You weren't meant to see that. <laughs> that was for another sugar emergency, should it happen to us again. <laughs> Goo Goo clusters are addictive. Apparently, 130,000 goo-goos are churned out every single day here in Nashville. 130,000. We finally emerged from the hotel and we're out in downtown. We're just out of the Johnny Cash Museum, which, by the way, you should all go and visit if you ever go to Nashville. And we're a bit teary because we've been reading Johnny's letter to June after she died. Lo and behold... There's an entire store dedicated to the Goo Goo Cluster just across the road to lift our mood. It's not the only building that catches our eye, though. I'm kind of obsessed with the Batman building. Oh, yeah, that's just behind us here. To describe the Batman building for people. We didn't know that it was called a Batman building, and we've just found out that it actually is called... Is it called The Batman? The Batman? It's nicknamed Batman. Oh, right, okay. But I've been looking at it thinking, that's Batman. <laughs> it's got two protruding towers on either where the ears might be. Very geometrical design. Nashville had a crazy building boom in the 1990s, 
which means much of downtown has been built up now. Interesting architecture leaps out at us from all around, but nothing quite stands out as much as the iconic Batman building, a 33-storey office block built in 1994, which looks like, yeah, it looks like Batman. Just to interrupt, there are lots of people sort of wheeling past us on those moving, are they? They're like cycle bars, pedal bars. It's like a bar and there's maybe 12 people around it and it's a moving bar on wheels. And um, it seems to be vibrating because they're sort of bouncing around to hip hop music so much. There's such an amazing energy in downtown Nashville. It is pumping. We're in Broadway, the entertainment district, where people pour in for a honky-tonk, which is basically country music performances of all standards. Some very good, others mm, not so amazing. It's very hard to dance when you're seated. I feel like they're doing the most they can with their upper bodies. There's a little bum-wiggling going on there as well. And uh, there's lots of cowboy boots going by. And the big big wiggly building, the music centre, is based on the hills of Nashville. The undulating hills of Nashville. Okay, I like that bit of info. Now, I don't know if other people feel this way too, but when I thought of Nashville, perhaps quite naively, I pictured a quaint town surrounded by countryside, filled with Dolly Parton lookalikes. I maybe even thought I'd bump into Dolly here. Instead, Nashville is a thriving cosmopolitan hub. Though some people do kind of fit the bill in terms of cliches I pictured finding here, which obviously adds to the charm. So it's official. I think if you are from Nashville, you do wear plaid red shirts, little cowboy hat, cowboy boots. I've seen so many people wearing them. Like, not like a dress-up costume. It's just they're, they're... their day look. Yeah. I've also seen a lot of beards, but they're not they're not Growing loose beards, they're very tamed beards. But it's a real look. A lot of goatees. Oh goatees. I thought yeah. you meant just sort of like a beard that had been like No, there's a know. lot of grooming, but it's in a sort of oh I'm a relaxed kind of American okay. way. I have seen a lot of looks that you would think, oh god, that's just a cliche. People don't yeah. dress like that in America. Oh we're uh, we are just walking past a American football, well, a bar with maybe like seven TVs outside? Seven TVs outside. <laughs> As if one huge TV does not suffice. Um, people glugging down beer and watching American football. We're seeing a lot of men and women, plaid shirts, cowboy boots. Is it plaid or is it played? I'd say played, but you've been saying plaid. I think it's plaid. I don't know. Another question. <laughs> That's embarrassing if it isn't. Has anyone ever said said it out loud? <laughs> never said played. I've checked this. It it is plaid. It's plaid. We'll have to ask someone from here. We're spotting all the cliches everywhere now: goatees, cowboy boots, plaid shirts. Food-wise, what we don't know is that Nashvillers also have a thing about pie, and not the savoury kind. One of Johnny Cash's favourite desserts was a pineapple pie, according to Peggy Knight, the Cash family caretaker. 
who looked after the Cash family for 30 years. She wrote a cookbook called Cooking in the House of Cash, inspired by her time in the household. At the Loveless Cafe, a Nashville institution, we sit at red and white check tables and gorge on biscuits and fried chicken and endless refills of iced tea. What I notice is an insane amount of pie munching. There's apple crumb pie, pecan pie, buckberry pie, pumpkin pie, and everyone is indulging. Loveless is known for its biscuits, but it's pies that really catch my eye here. After people fill up on barbecue, they usually have a little room left for something sweet. True southern desserts remind people of home, make them feel at home. We wouldn't be authentic without banana pudding, pies, and cobbler. Everything in these pies I make from scratch. There's nothing like real vanilla bean. There's nothing like coconut milk, nice intense chocolate, or real berries. It doesn't taste artificial. You can really taste the difference. Hello, my name is Darcelle, and I am a grandmother of six. And today we will be preparing a lemon icebox pie. Come in and join me. We're at Darcelle's in Nashville, learning how to make a lemon icebox pie. She's a Nashville native and another pie aficionado. She also makes a much better presenter than I do. You would need a graham cracker crust pie shell. You will also need five to six lemons, five will do, mm -hmm. and you will also need a can of condensed milk. So simple. Yes, very simple. An icebox pie is a no-bake dessert. Simple, tasty, and in the case of the lemon icebox pie, light and refreshing. It's a classic American dessert that emerged around the advent of the refrigerator. In your Frigidaire cold pantry, there's a place for all your food. Fresh and frozen, canned, bottled and wrapped, new-bought and leftover. They're all right there, and they're all at your fingertips. No-bakes became popular as refrigeration became a standard across American homes in the 50s and the 60s. There's no need for an oven because this pie sets in the fridge. The filling in this recipe requires only three ingredients. Condensed milk, lemon zest and fresh lemon juice. As an aside, I read online that lemon icebox pie was American playwright Tennessee Williams' favorite pie. It's pretty cool. I can't confirm this is 100% accurate, but I do like the idea he might have been tucking into it writing cat on a hot tin roof. Also, it just feels quite nice we're making an icebox pie in Tennessee and that Tennessee Williams supposedly loved it. So we do have lots of children here at Darcel's home at the moment. <laughs> because children and my great grands. Because we are preparing for little Joelle's birthday party. So it was very nice of you to have us over today. <laughs> because you have got a lot going on. We're in a candy wonderland. <laughs> They've made candies by wrapping balloons in tissue paper um, into sweet shapes. It's I really like cool. the glasses the best the glasses and the cups with the sprinkles yeah, on them. Amazing. We've inadvertently completely crashed ourselves granddaughter's birthday party, or rather, we're at the pre-party. She lives in a small apartment in a block of condos and grandkids start emerging from a number of doors that lead to her kitchen. 
There's a partition between the two rooms, the kitchen and the living room. And Darcel's in the kitchen, speaking to us through a hatch as though she's on a cooking show. It's Eagle brand. This is the best brand to use. Okay. It is Eagle brand. And it's sweetened condensed milk. Yes, condensed milk. Borden's special process combines a quart of fresh whole milk, pure cane sugar, and careful vacuum cooking at precise temperatures to assure creamy richness. Blend Eagle brand with fresh or reconstituted lemon juice, and your pie filling thickens without cooking. Look for this recipe under the label or at your store. Eagle brand dessert magic. Eagle brand condensed milk has been around in the U.S. since 1853. When you look it up online, Eagle Brand describes its condensed milk as a pre-cooked and blended combination of milk and sugar, making baking easier. That's exactly what Darcel is doing with this recipe. She's making the whole process of baking a pie so much simpler. So what we'll do with the lemons, we have to get them soft, very, very soft. You have to soften them up real well. And how do we do that? How did well, you do it this morning? Well, I use my feet and we'll... <laughs> I can show them. <laughs> yeah, go on, show us. Okay. This is so much better to just rub them at the bottom of your feet, roll them back and forth. Yeah. I like it. It's a good technique. Versus using your hand, and it'll be very, very soft. Can I feel it? Mm-hmm. Well, now we have them soft. Very, very soft. At this point, there's a bright yellow lemon being rolled underneath Darcel's foot because soft lemons are easier to squeeze and making lemons soft is easier underfoot. They need to be very soft though. Mm -hmm. Okay. Achieve ultra soft lemons for your pie and give yourself a foot massage simultaneously. And we would squeeze it. Only thing that's gonna take a little time is when you remove the seeds, okay? Mm -hmm. yeah. How long have you been making this recipe for then, Darcel? Oh, my Jesus, for <laughs> maybe when I was a teenager. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah. Who taught you? My mother. So this was her recipe? Yes. Was that passed on from somebody else as well? Probably so. I mean, yeah. but it's not like we're making homemade lasagna yet homemade, you know, biscuits and rolls or anything like that. Here, Darcel's basically saying that the pie is super easy to make, not like a homemade lasagna or baked rolls. This entire time, kids keep emerging from doors, popping in and out to see what we're doing. Darcel doesn't just have kids and grandkids. She has great grandkids as well, and she's only in her 50s. I find it amazing that she has the time to cook with so much going on. But then, this lemon icebox pie recipe is a really good option, especially when you want a delicious, fresh-tasting dessert that's quick, easy, and cheap to make. It's the ultimate convenience dessert that you can make yourself. One thing I do love, in a way, about Americans, and something I'll discuss in another episode, is this knack for making things convenient. They have the ultimate cooking hacks. Okay, so we use two, probably two, two cans. cans. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then the process is, Who's gonna wash the we mix our oh, lemon with the cans. We will mix our lemons once we squeeze them. Then we will put the um, lemon juice. See, all of them didn't go in. Mm -hmm. But a few of them did. And then you mix it. Wait a minute, make them in. Wait a minute, Kiki, hold on. Hold on. We good. We good. It's good. Because we're going to put it in the refrigerator. Take a taste. 
Yes. And you can do whatever you want to do, baby. We're done. <laughs> I don't know if that's so we all like to do that. You've probably worked out that we're all scooping the condensed milk and lemon mix from the sides of the bowl and tasting. The best part of baking, in my opinion. <laughs> oh, wow. I love lemon desserts so much. Super lemony. We then pour our mix into a graham cracker crust base. When I want a lightly sweet cookie, I eat a honey-made graham from Nabisco. Mmm. But when I want a crisp and crunchy cracker, I eat a honey-made graham. But when I want something wholesome with natural honey, like a cookie, that's when I eat a honey-made graham. And when I want something crackling like a cracker, I eat a honey-made graham. But you know, sometimes I want a juicy steak, so I eat a steak. And then I eat <laughs> honey-made grams, a crunchy cracker, a honey of a cookie, and low-fat, too. These crackers are everywhere in the US, and they've been around since the 1800s. They were originally very plain tasting. That's because a radical Presbyterian minister called Sylvester Graham thought them up. And he followed a super strict Puritan diet of vegetables, no flavor, no spices. Now they're used in a lot of American desserts, and thankfully they're flavored with cinnamon or honey to suit the modern palate. So we have not added any sugar. No. The sugar's no. all in here, yes. it's already sweetened. We literally have just got a graham cracker crust, condensed milk, and six lemons. It's yes. the simplest dessert ever. Five lemons. Yeah. Five lemons. Mm -hmm. And once you're done, after you mix it up and pour it in there, then... You cool it. You cool it, you put it in the refrigerator and let it cool. Easy peasy lemon squeezy, as my granny Joan would say. Darcel says you can add a dollop of whipped cream to it for an extra cheeky bit of convenience. So we prepared it. And here's your pie. <laughs> well done, thank but you. But you just take it and put it in your refrigerator. Cool. And probably about six o'clock this evening, you should be able to get your slice. I'm not sure what I'm more impressed by. The fact that it's so easy to make or that it has so little sugar added to it. But I should remember, both the graham cracker base and the condensed milk did contain sugar. We take it back to the hotel, stick it in the fridge for a few hours, and here's us taste testing there with a cup of tea. That's really tasty. It is actually really tasty. Mm. It's so lemony. Mm. She just had loads of lemons in there. I love lemon dessert though. That's my fave. There's a nice balance being struck between tart and sweet. I think if we'd added sugar, that balance would be lost. There's just enough of a lemon punch to make this zingy and zesty, as well as creamy and cool. It tastes good, mm. and I think it's actually really, it's probably the most easily replicable recipe yeah. that we have. I'm really, really enjoying it. For a lemon meringue pie, obviously without the meringue, this is an incredibly easy way of doing it, without having to set the eggs and the cream. Um, I think it's kind of a, a, a life hack. Lemon icebox pie. Beloved by Tennessee Williams, Nashville, and now us. You can find the recipe at foodtrippin.com. Next up, the glory of convenience cooking, American cheese and spicy fried chicken. Please hit subscribe for travel through the taste buds, interviews with chefs, home cooks, and people who just love food, and a bit of a nutty road trip. Thanking everyone that made this episode of Food Trippin' so fun to produce. That's TTM World and Music City, Granny Darcel, my fellow producer and editor Faranisa Campana, and road trip buddy Iska Lupton. 
This episode was reported and hosted by me, Anastasia Miari. Music in this episode came from Mixkit and Ben Sound. Food Trippin' is a More Corners podcast made with Ink Studios.